We're going to talk about the bullpen today. Talk a little bit of Jason Foley, his role on the team this year, then talk about the newest member of the Tigers organization that got a minor league deal with an invite to spring training all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, February 15th, 2023. Thank you for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. We will talk about the bullpen. That'll be the bulk of today's show. I do want to start with talking about Michigan State University and the unthinkable tragedy that happened on Monday night. I think it's impossible for me to ignore. This is our community. It happened after I recorded yesterday. That's why it wasn't talked about yesterday, but this is our community. This is a place that so many people call home and so many people have beautiful memories from. And now there are members of our community that have lost their peace of mind and more importantly, some that have lost their lives. It's devastating. It's unacceptable here. It's unacceptable anywhere. Um, so support one another, be there for each other during this time. If anyone needs help, get help. I end every show with going to therapy's dope. That's not just to say that's something I genuinely mean and spread peace and love and support one another during this time. Cause this is our community. This is our backyard. This is our home. And we're all going to be in this together. And I'm so unbelievably sorry to all that were affected. I love y'all, man. I really do. I love this city. I love this community and, and more than anything. So impossible transition, but let's talk a little bit about baseball. Um, Jason Foley is someone that I definitely last season, right? We talked about Jason Foley a lot and I love him. I love Jason Foley. I really do. And and if you listened last season, you're aware of that. That's something that's not news to you. If you've been listening to this show since last season, this is someone that very early on in the year, I pinpointed and was kind of like, hey, this dude's nice. Like this dude looks really, really nice out of the bullpen and is very good at what he does. He's never going to be a guy who strikes out a ton of, of batters or you go in there and he's going to you know, again, get two strikeouts, strike out the side and shut the door in the ninth. But he can be, I genuinely think, one of the best middle relievers in the entire game of baseball. I think that that's the ceiling he has. And I don't say that lightly. I'm not trying to just blow smoke. Like, that's that that's legitimate. So we will talk about Foley. But first, first, I want to talk about Matt Whistler, the newest edition of the Detroit Tigers organization. Minor league deal would invite the spring training. That means he is not on the 40-man roster for whatever that is worth to you, but he will have an opportunity to make one in the spring. Make one. Make the 40-man roster in the spring. He's a 30-year-old right-handed relief pitcher. Last season, he had a 2-2-5 ERA with the Tampa Bay Rays in 44 innings pitched, 19% K rate, 8% walk rate, a FIP of 4-2-5. That's two whole points higher than his ERA. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, so that's, that's pretty solid. That's a pretty solid season, right? 
And if you look at his K rate this past year, it was actually pretty low, which is weird. He's just had a weird year when it comes to weird year, a weird career when it comes to strike throwing, strikeout throwing. When it comes to swings and misses and when it comes to Ks, uh, he's had a weird career. Last year was very low, but then the two years before that, his K rate was very high. And so I think that this might be a situation where, again, like the FIP was way higher than the ERA last season. Means that he probably got a little lucky at times, but still a very, very good season regardless. And I I really do, I'm, I'm pumped about this. I think that most people are. This is for the value of a minor league signing and an invite to spring to get a dude that in 45 innings had a sub 2-3 ERA, I think is pretty darn good value. K-rate in 2022 was 7.16 strikeouts per nine innings. That's just a hair under a 20% strikeout rate. And then the years before that, 2021, 11.47 K rate. 2020, 25 innings pitch because of weird season, but he had like a one ERA and almost a 12 and a half K per nine that year with the Twins. I don't know if you guys remember playing him. He was annoying. In 2019, 51 innings pitch and an 11.05 K per nine. But then you look at the first four years of his career and, and the strikeout rate is at seven or even below seven. So this last year was kind of the outlier of his second half of his career when it comes to getting strikeouts. I think that that's probably something we'll talk about his repertoire and what makes him so fascinating to me later, but I think that that's something that this organization probably looked at and this coaching staff probably looked at and went, Hey, this dude used to strike out a lot of people. He's only had one bad strikeout year. Even in that bad strikeout year, still, had a really low ERA and was a really effective pitcher, this seems like a a no-brainer. And Chris Fetter and co. were like, yeah, you're absolutely right. We should probably do that. And so they did. And I, I, like a lot of people, am really excited about this uh, Matt Whistler. So there you go. He almost exclusively throws an 80-mile-an-hour slider. Like almost 92% of his pitches last year were an 80-mile-an-hour slider. The rest of his pitches that he throws at this point in his career, if it's not the slider, it is a 90-mile-an-hour four-seam fastball. Now, it wasn't always the case, but he also started when he was first becoming a pro and first came up actually in the majors. He started some games, was uh, was a swingman for a little bit, started some games, then was more of a one-inning reliever, and now we're here. Um, so he used to have a lot more in the repertoire, but in his last two or three seasons, it's just been the slider and the fastball, and it's worked out really well for him. And like I said, he he has a good strikeout season under his belt with only having the two-pitch repertoire, with the the two-pitch mix. It's not like he did that and then his strikeouts fell off. No, he had over 11K per nine last year with only those two pitches in the mix. So very intriguing, very intriguing. We saw Michael Fulmer, I guess, is the kind of the closest example to this last year where he almost exclusively threw, what did we used to call it? The slider cutter thingy? Is that what we called it? Um, so that's that's definitely something that we have seen before. Somebody kind of reinvent themselves out of the bullpen and then only throw one pitch. Obviously, the greatest closer of all time only threw one pitch. And so it's it's really intriguing to, to see that. Uh, the slider he has has around 2,500 RPMs if you're a big spin rate guy or gal. So 
that's definitely something that's that's a good number that's something to keep an eye on for that that's all that's spinny that's a very spinny pitch uh the slider the stats on the slider it was again almost exclusively his pitch so they're pretty similar to just his overall stats against period but the slider had an uh batting average against of like 188 last season beautiful and a slugging percentage against of under 400 that's always a good sign uh, for the last three years, it has been an insanely valuable pitch. The slider has been for him. He has been unbelievably effective, effective with it. If you look at the uh, run value with it, it is caught. He has a negative 10 season. I think last year, negative nine, negative 10 run value season with the slider of uh, last two years ago, I think. And then last year was still really good. Three years ago, it was really good. Pretty much ever since he became a reliever, the slider has been an unbelievably effective pitch for him. So uh, let's talk about the type of res- batted re- ball results he gets in the field. You know, fly ball, ground ball, etc. What type of pitcher he really is. But that is the pitch mix. Those are the stats. And then we'll, uh, yeah, we'll finish up right on the other side of this. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at FanDuel. Uh, FanDuel is awesome. And they are our new sports betting partner of Locked On Network. It's the perfect time to download FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book because new sports customers get a no-sweat first bet for up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line, the point scores, threes drained, etc. We've talked about it a lot this week, but NBA is is all-star weekend is right around the corner. It's going to be a very, very fun weekend. Three-point dunk contest, all-star game, etc. FanDuel is going to be your place to bet on all of those events as well. So don't miss the, your chance to get your no-sweat first bet for up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It's the official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two, Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. For your next listen, check on the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including, you guessed it, YouTube. Okay, so we are talking about Matt Whistler. Let's talk about the type of pitcher that he is, what type of contact he induces and whatnot. You know, we talked about this with Tyler Alexander. We talked about this. Look at this sun. What a sunny, sunny day right on like the side of of my face. It's kind of making the lighting weird in here. Um, We talked about it with Tyler Alexander, right? And and we talked about, that's what I was saying. We talked about with Scott Harris's comments earlier in the offseason, how he really wanted a team that was formulated around how the Comerica Park dimensions were. And even with, I've said this a million times already in the last week, but even with the walls slightly moved in, it, it's not going to make that much of a difference. Like it's still going to be very much a one of the deepest center fields in baseball and a fly ball friendly ballpark to pitchers. And so if you look at Matt Whistler's stats last year, you really kind of understand and grasp why this team is taking a chance on him of all teams. His fly ball rate last year was 40 percent that is well above league average like over 10 percent above like considerably I cannot stress how above above league average it is so 
that's definitely something that, you know, just under half of all batted balls are fly balls. And the thing is, it's not like he gave up a ton of homers to get to to get thrown into that. It's not like he was giving up homers left and right. And I think that that's why his FIP was higher. Going back to that conversation from earlier, a lot of those projective stats, they look at how many fly balls you give up. If you give up a lot of fly balls but not a lot of homers, they're going to go, oh, you know, in the future you'll probably give up some more homers. Well, consider rebuttal Comerica Park, okay? So that's going to help a little bit for sure. And, and again, like he didn't even really need help in Tampa last year. That's not a, a pitcher's park. He didn't give up very many homers there. So uh, definitely something to, to kind of circle that jumped off the page at me early on. Uh, 16.5% line drive rate is well under league average, and he is on pop-out rate 6% higher than league average there, uh, 43%. 43% of all contact given up last year, the hitter was under the baseball. That's very, very high. Again, well above league average. So we're talking about a dude that that specializes in getting hitters off balance and getting fly ball outs. And I think, and again, has a history of having high strikeout numbers as well. This isn't a, a dude that has just never proven the ability to get swings and misses. But I think both of those things combined make this such an intriguing signing. A fly ball pitcher in the deepest outfield, center field in, in baseball still, and has the ability to get strikeouts if if he can go back to what he was the three years leading up to last season. And even though he didn't, had a 2-2-5 ERA last year. I think this is a brilliant move. The whiff percentage fell off a cliff last season, as I've said a bunch already. Uh, but he, again, does have really good seasons with in, in regards to K rate and whiff rate. Uh, I think he'll definitely be in the running for a bullpen job out of camp. And I think, you know, this is an easy transition into Jason Foley. Now the bullpen competition along with third base and corner outfield, not corner outfield, fourth outfielder. Those three are probably going to be the three most intriguing positional battles in camp and in spring training. So this dude just adds to the mix of an already really, really enticing uh, battle that's going to be going on during spring training games. Jason Foley, I don't think we'll have to battle too terribly much to get his spot in the bullpen. I think he's close to a lock. You know, I don't like to call anybody that's under team control and not under contract like a guaranteed lock. Uh, but I think Foley is going to be on this team on opening day, and I feel pretty confident about that. As I said at the beginning of the show, Jason Foley last season, one of my favorite stories of the entire season. Genuinely, wow, this sun is really brutal right now. I that the blinds are closed in this room, by the way. Uh, and I was fascinated by him very early on. He struggled really, really early on, like in April, but pretty much everybody did. And then he quickly went away, then came back. And when he came back, turned it around and was pretty brilliant the rest of the season. 388 ERA, a 276 FIP. So a 388 ERA and probably should have even been a little bit lower. A 16.8% K rate is pretty darn low, but a 4.3% walk rate is really, really low. And that's all in 60 innings pitched, which is makes him one of the most used relievers in the entire bullpen last year. What a story. Uh, easily one of my favorite storylines from last season. Like I said, if you listen to the show last year, we talked about it a bunch. 
Jason Foley is elite at what he does. And he's, I don't think he's ever going to turn into more than what he is, but I don't need him to be more than what he is. I will gladly take the exact type of pitcher that he is right now. And that is a dude that is elite, elite, and I mean elite, at missing barrels, 90th percentile in barrel percentage last year. Now, the fascinating conversation with that comes from he was only 12th in K rate, 5th in hard hit rate, 15th percentile in average exit velocity, but his launch angle numbers were amazing. And to get a barrel, you have to have, hit the ball hard and have a good launch angle. So he's giving up hard contact and he's not missing bats. However, they're all ground balls. He had a ground ball rate of almost 60% last season. 60%. That is very, very high. Well, well, well above league average. Okay. And a batted ball of where the hitter was on top of the baseball percentage of almost 50%. Also, well above league average. Almost half of the contact you give up, the hitter is on top of the baseball. And over half of the contact you give up as a ground ball is really, really exciting. And I, I just, I cannot say enough good things about Jason Foley's development last year. We talked about his sinker literally every time he pitched. Like, every time he went into the game on this show, we were like, yo, did you see the Jason Foley sinker today, though? Because it looked great. And uh, that's going to happen again this year. I'm fascinated with him. I think he's one of the more underrated and overlooked players on this entire roster. And to be honest with you, I expect him to be a really prominent part of this bullpen for the foreseeable future. So we're going to talk about uh, what else makes Jason Foley really good and what adjustments he maybe could make to be even better this upcoming season. We will do that right after this. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Third and final segment here at Locked on Tigers. So we're talking about Jason Foley. And like I said, with percentage, he was in the first percentile. Got no swings and misses last year. K percentile, 12th percentile. We talked about that earlier. But 95th percentile in walk rate. That four, a little over 4% walk rate was in the top five percentage in all of baseball and fewest amount of walks given up. So if you're wondering, oh, Jason Foley, I thought he was more of a fringe reliever. Why did Scott Harris keep him on the roster? Boom. <laughs> right there. Right, right in front of you. 95th percentile walk rate. That is why. He dominates the strike zone. He fills the strike zone. And even when he does fill the strike zone, he induces ground balls. No fly balls. That's a very, very uh, important skill to have. Uh, I, I would say that he's probably not the first guy I would go to in extra innings. Um, and I guess we haven't talked about that really. We just really quickly, uh, the, the Manfred runner, as many are calling it, because it's not a ghost runner, right? There's a dude standing on second base, but uh, the Manfred runner will be permanent and it will last presumably forever. Uh, there are now at the major league level, if you go into extra innings, there will be a runner on second base. Uh, it will not be a postseason rule. I believe I read that. Not a playoff thing, but a regular season thing, yes. So what does that mean? Why did I just randomly bring that up? Well, first off, it's important to the game that we're talking about. But I think that that probably makes me not want to bring in Jason Foley. As much as I love him, 
in extra innings because ground ball moves a runner to third, then you have man on third, no outs. Or ground ball up the middle with no shift, and there you go, you you just lost the game. So I, I think you kind of need swing and miss guys and extras. But we'll, we'll talk about what role I think he'll be perfect in actually at the end of the show. I forgot that I was planning on talking about that. So we'll save that for the end. But just if you didn't know, the Manfred rule is staying. The Manfred runner is staying. Um, he doesn't walk anyone, pound the strike zone. That's what we were talking about. Alita getting ground balls. His pitch mix is sinker, slider, changeup, four seam. It's mostly sinker, slider. Uh, the the changeup and the four seam weren't used very often. Uh, and honestly, well, we'll talk about uh, that in a second. But the sinker had an expected batting average of 263 against, but an expected slug of just 333. 263 is a little high, but again, it's a, it, it, a sinker. We talked about this a lot last year, too is inherently a pitch-to-contact pitch. That's not a pitch that you're going up there. Uh, again, unless your sinker looks like Alex Lang's, you're not going up there, and that's even more of a two-seam at this point anyway. You're not going up there and, and, and thinking, oh, I'm really trying to get a swing and a miss with this sinker. You know what I mean? So that's the, the batting average might seem a little bit high to you, but the slugging is really low, and the average launch angle against of his sinker over the course of the year is mind-boggling. Are you ready? It's negative two. That's the dog. That's my dog right there. Jason Foley is a dog. He has a pitch that on average over the course of an entire season had a negative launch angle. That is beautiful. That is exactly the point of a sinker. And I, I truly cannot express how much I love this man. I, I'm, I'm, again, one of my favorite storylines from last season. My nose is doing that thing where it gets really itchy again. Uh, the slider got hit a little bit harder, but it was also his most whiffed on pitch. You need some swings and misses at some point. You're going to need a pitch that you go, okay, I need a swing and a miss. Where am I going to go? Even if it doesn't guarantee a whiff, which none of his pitches really do, uh, it, you at least have to have something in your bag of tricks there to, to try and induce one. And so I think that, uh, that that's obviously an important pitch and should very much be his second most used pitch. Now, the other two pitches, this is where it gets, not weird, but this is where I, I have takes on these. Uh, his four-seamer was hit very hard, and it was not thrown very often. I just say get rid of it, like genuinely. I'm, I'm cool. It, it was thrown less than 9% of the time last year. I'm cool with Jim just never throwing a four-seam fastball ever again, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't need, like the numbers against it are terrible. The, the like, mechan not the mechanics, but uh, the analytics on the pitch itself aren't good. And he didn't really throw it very often anyway. I, I, I don't see a reason in which I would ever be like, you know what? I want a four seam, a straight four seam fastball from Jason Foley right here. So I, I wouldn't mind if he just totally dropped that. And then the changeup is fascinating. He only threw it 66 times all season. I want you to guess out loud, whether you're in your car, at home, getting ready for the day, on your way home from work, whatever. Thank you for making me a part of your day. I don't take that for granted, by the way. And just say out loud, how many of those 66 pitches do you think were against right-handers? Okay? Just think of the split. Oh, how many did – was it a 33-33 split? He threw the same amount exactly against righties and lefties. No. He threw 66 change-ups, and all 66 were against lefties. He did not throw a single change-up to a righty literally all year. And the changeup had really good numbers against, like really, really good. He just didn't throw it very often. 
And I don't know if he knows that his changeup is bad against righties. Then don't throw it. You know better than me, brother. You know, you you do whatever you got to do. You and Chris Fetter obviously have talked about that. That that's that's your thing. That's your strategy. I will say I wouldn't mind if you threw it a little bit more even against lefties then. Even if there's a refusal to throw it against righties for whatever reason, I, I it, it was such an effective pitch last year that I wouldn't mind you tacking it on and throwing a little bit more. You know, got some whiffs, got a lot of weak contact. Maybe, maybe throw that into the mix a little bit more. Okay, but the biggest takeaway and the biggest thing to remember with Jason Foley is just throw the sinker as much as you're comfortable throwing it. Like, legitimately, if at the end of the season – he threw the sinker 93% of the time. I'd be like, all right, I'm, I'm pumped about it. <laughs> so like all those other things are, are really few and far between. Just that sinker is a really, really good pitch and is incredible at its job. So keep keep bringing it to work. When I look ahead, this is where we'll end the, the Foley discussion and the show. Uh, when I look ahead at what role I think Jason Foley would be best suited in, okay, uh, again, I, I don't think you can really make him the closer just because I, I think you're – and again, I, I think we're moving away from pure closer in any situation type of baseball anyway just with the amount of numbers we have at our disposal. Now, some pitchers are just the best, best pitchers in the bullpen in every situation and will get all the saves, but I think we're doing a lot more situational stuff these days. And and I think that your, your pitcher who closes the door – and the pitcher who you want in the highest leverage of situations should still probably be able to get a little more swings and misses than Foley offers. However, it wouldn't shock me if he was kind of the second in command there, maybe get some eighth inning work, whatnot. Uh, it also, yes, yeah, like second highest leverage situation really wouldn't surprise me. But my favorite role for him, and I, I don't say this insultingly because as I've said a million times, I love him. I think he would be a perfect first out of the bullpen reliever. I think that that is just a perfect role for him. It's still relatively high leverage. You need someone you can trust to kind of bridge the starting pitcher to the back end of your bullpen. You need someone to bridge the, the, wherever the starter gets knocked out of the game. And look, if the starter goes three innings, then you put in your swing man and, and you let him, you know, Tyler Alexander then pitches three innings for you. I'm not saying he, he has to be the first out of the pen in every single situation, but if your starter goes six, having Jason Foley come out for the seventh and kind of bridge the gap to whatever it ends up being laying in Cisnero, et cetera. I, I just, I feel like he would be awesome in that role. You're going to get hitters frustrated. He can be really efficient, right? Three ground balls. He, he, if, if I had to rank the likelihood of every reliever on this team to have a three pitch inning this year, starters included, Jason Foley would comfortably be at the top. He has the ability to be really efficient because he's pitching to contact. He's filling the strike zone. He's not missing the zone and it's all ground ball outs. I just, I, I feel like. That is his perfect role. Just be a dominant first reliever out of the pen and then let the, the dogs in the back end get all your swings and misses and, and your super high leverage situations. And that's not to say that the sixth or seventh inning isn't going to be high leverage sometimes. But 
or or even you know somebody else goes out there and they give up a walk and then they get an out and then the heart of the order comes up for the opponent. Okay, we really want a double play. Who are we going to? Maybe the guy that gets a sixty percent ground ball rate. So I I think he'll be utilized in that sense a lot. I think he, that at the end of the season, if he stays healthy, he will be amongst the top in baseball at inducing double plays. Uh, but I also think that that first out of the bullpen role is great for him. So those are the two I really highlight. First out of the pen and any situation in which you think you need a double play and he's available. Okay, cool. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. As always, uh, for your next listen, check on the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including... YouTube. Okay. I think that is all I got. I need to get out of the sun right now because this is really hurting my eyes. Um, As I said at the beginning of the show, support one another, support your community and, and spread love. I love y'all really, truly. I do. Um, Peace and love going to therapy is dope. If you need help, get help. And we'll be back tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.